0: What's up, guys? It's your girl, Jamae Jackson. Welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome, child. This would be the time in church when you had to stand up and look awkwardly around and wave your hand. But thankfully, you're behind the screen, you're behind your earbuds, you're behind something. So you don't gotta do it this time. But if this is not your first time, welcome back. We always love a nice little return guest. And make sure that you guys, whether you're new or old, black, white, in or out, You are subscribed to the podcast. I say this every week, y'all. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share it. Make sure you go on and leave us that five-star rating and maybe even leave a little review up in there. I don't know. Whatever the spirit leads you to do, go on and do it. But I want to thank you all so, so much for coming back. It has been a little rough out here, y'all. I hope you guys have been putting some edge control around your edges because I know mine have been getting snatched up. But nonetheless, the content has to go on. And so I am so 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 excited y'all for our guest today because this is i feel like saying that he is a just a designer is such a disservice to the amazing work that he is doing i say feel like being calling him just a creative director or even like working with like celebrities is just not enough to just encapsulate this amazing spirit this amazing energy um but y'all probably like, Jemay, shut up. Go on and tell us who it is. So I'm going to have to the guest chair today, Jerome Lamar. He, Jerome, is a multidiscipline creative director and costume designer. He is the founder of uh, 531 Jerome, which I had the pleasure of seeing uh, while we were at New York Fashion Week. And y'all, them clothes was bomb, bomb, bomb. Jerome is not new to this. He is true to this. Even at the young age of fifteen, he was working with the Kamora Lee Simmons as a designer and junior creative director for Baby Fat and Fat Farm Lifestyle Brands. So shout out to all of y'all who, you know, had to get your baby fat when we was when we was younger. Um, Jerome is going to obviously talk more about like his work and and his upbringing, but I just need y'all to know a couple of things. One, this man is so rooted in himself and his identity, and I just love it. He is so authentic to himself, and he has always reached a hand out to the the blonde Misfit, even on our first meeting years ago. Second of all, the man has dressed just about everybody you can imagine. But of course, y'all want to know he has dressed Beyonce. Okay. And he's had a lot of work with Ivy Park. And last but certainly not least, do not get it twisted. This man reps the Bronx like nobody else I know. Okay. So we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about the state of blackness and fashion. And we're just going to talk about like what it is to even be a creative at this time. So, y'all, help me welcome Jerome. Hey, boo. <laughs>
1: hey, that was such a beautiful intro. I'm so grateful. But thank you for
2: having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You know, I feel like it's always... um I think it's always so telling of a person and their personality when you have someone who has such a massive following like you. So like if y'all are, do not know Jerome, which his, uh his all of his stuff will be down in the description box for you to follow. But Jerome has over 600,000 followers on Instagram. And so, you know, you pop in. <laughs> you pop in. <laughs> it's been such a um, long road. Wow. Like a lot of people who follow
2: me are like from my MySpace stage, which is so funny. It's like, it's, yeah, I love that. I
0: wish I would never bring back my space though. Yeah. Like honestly, but like you have such a massive following, and so I think it's often we don't see people with your scale giving time to sort of like the little people, like sort of like my, me and a platform like this. And so I think that it is always so telling of character when you make time to talk to people like not just the wwds not just the vogues of the world but really talking to some of the movers and shakers sort of even mm-hmm. in the underground because i feel like even though you are obviously super prevalent in the fashion industry you still are someone who like i think you keep to your roots your roots about that a lot so I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to even chat with me. Um, no, thank but- you. I've
2: been watching your progressive evolution from the beginning, and it's so it's so refreshing. And I'm so glad you're still like on it, and I'm really proud of you. And like we need you, keep going. Um, and yeah, I'm so happy. Thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, like I'm all about the underdog. Like I believe that if we would like magic wouldn't exist if. If the other dog didn't have his chance to shine, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I think that's where we are in a political way, a sociological way, right now, um, and I think that's what's happening. Like, there's a time for shining, right? And I think <clears throat> we're entering that stage right now as a as a society, as a culture, as people, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's a good time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is honestly. But like, let's start from the beginning. So, how did Jerome Lamar? become Jerome Lamar.
2: (laughs) Well, okay. So my, I come from a really cool family. My grandparents and parents all have like this ability of, of sewing and art and, and uh, they have creative creative thinkers and very spiritual people. Um, And I just so happen to, you know, take it a little further and make it my own. So I got the opportunity to get a job at Baby Fat when I was 15 years old, right? And the thing is, I feel like I wasn't supposed to get it at first. Uh, so my first job was at Key Food, actually. And I knew I was going to have that because I was the first male cashier ever, right? And so while I'm sitting there, you know, standing there, excuse me, waiting for people to get on this line and, and wait for, for produce and things like that, I was sketching and drawing on the receipt paper, like, a lot, you know, and people were like, "Wow, you're really good!" And I kept telling them, "Yes, yes, yes, this, <laughs> this is what I'm good at," you know. But this is my temporary job; it's my first job ever. I needed it so I can get a job at Baby Fat. They was like, "Wow, that'll be so cool for you!" I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get a job at Baby Fat." So, um, and you know, I kept calling Baby Fat after work and in the mornings, and you know, requesting a chance to come in to present myself. I was denied every time. <laughs> um, and ironically, uh, I gave up. My grandmother had passed away and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. I'll just have to wait. But every time I called prior to that, um, the staff would tell me, okay, Jerome, we think you're adorable. Let's just wait until you're a little older and we'll get you a position here as an intern. And I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to wait. So my grandmother passed away, Da gave up. I was in approach to be a part of this um Artist Society in high school. I went to Art and Design High School. Shout out to all my artists. Um, And they basically plucked me out of this. um, You know, I was a teenager. I was like in ninth or tenth grade. I can't even remember now. I'm getting so old. (laughs) But they plucked me out of that class and put me in a senior honor society class that allowed me to get an internship. And so here I am presenting to a group of. Men and women, adults that I had no clue about, but I didn't care about because I didn't see Russell or Kimberly Simmons. So I was just like, "Whatever, talking my crap." Like, da 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 da. I am this, and I am that. I'm going to be this. Da 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 da. Show my portfolio. I'm a really strong fashion illustrator. Show my portfolio, and then these people, these this one woman named Tina Lee came around and saw my work. My portfolio was open. And she was talking to me. I didn't make any eye contact. So she's like, wow, who did these? I said, uh, I did with an attitude. <laughs> like, duh, it's my portfolio. What else do you expect from me? Like, I'm not plagiarizing. Um, and she was like, wow, you're really strong. And she grabbed, she went into her little, her little bag and she wrote her name on someone else's card and handed it to me. And the card read, C. Lee. At babyfat.com. So my brain went crazy because seeing, now I'm making eye contact to this little Asian woman, and seeing Babyfat.com on the card freaked me out. I was like, "Are you serious?" And she was like, "Yeah, Kamora is looking for someone just like you." That was a wrap. Ooh. That manifestation, that knowingness was the beginning of my career and I never look back. I never let anyone tell me no. I never um, really accept the term no. I was like trained that way. Um, and if so, how do you make the no into a yes? And so that's my mm-hmm. philosophy for life. Like no matter what it is, no matter how low I get, how do I turn it into something that is memorable and somewhat magical to make me into the person I've always wanted to be? you know? Yeah, and so that's where it began. That's the beginnings of that, you know. Um, and that's all she wrote, you know.
0: Wow. I mean, but you, you, you touch on two things that I think are so so important. Like, first of all, the power of manifestation Mm -hmm. is real, but more importantly, two main things happened in in your story that I would love for you to talk about. First of all. Even in just retelling your story, you was like, "Yeah, like I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. Like I know. Like my, I like, my like my like my
2: drawing. There was a knowingness of like, I know. Like that's cute, <laughs> y'all, but I already know because I had this vision in my brain. I kept having dreams, and mm. um, I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. The, and the reason why I even discovered baby fat was through my mom. My mom was doing. A, she did like." Hot 97's fashion show or something like that. And they gave her a t- they gave her a whole bunch of baby fat t-shirts, a plum baby fat t-shirt with the logo on it. And I would never forget mm-hmm. it. My mom was like in her like thirties, you know, and like cute and, you know, a cute little black, you know, black woman. And to mm-hmm. see my mom be very confident and, and cool in these clothes, it inspired me to say, okay, I'm going to look this up. Cause I wasn't really a fan of Fat Farm. But to see that it was a, a, a the cat was so sexy. My mom looked really cool in it. I knew that this is a place that I needed to be. So the knowingness and the the willingness and the relentlessness of being like sure of yourself is what drove me to keep going. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean that that level of self awareness, but also like self like reclamation yeah. of like this this like this is the space I take up, mm-hmm. and I'm aware of that. It's so important because honestly, and this is something that I feel I've even had to recognize even within myself, like over the past year or two, as I've said, no, Jimmy, you deserve to be in these spaces. Mm-hmm. That if you don't believe it full heartedly, those spaces can't open up at for all. you at all. And that's the
2: thing. I think we are always thinking to ourselves are we good enough? Are we ready enough? Um, you know, are we creative enough even? to be in these places. But when you realize that these people in these places or these places that are made for these people are really just a facade and that Mm -hmm. you hold all the light, it becomes nothing, you know? And that's part of, that's how I flow. Like I kind of always did my own thing um, in the industry because I didn't, I wasn't going to be mean to people. I wasn't going to bend and try to be a, a, a vogue darling. Um, I was real about being from the Bronx. I was real, like when I met with editors, because they always wanted to meet with me. I always did. Um, But when I met with them, I wasn't going to change who I was. I learned that the hard way when I first, um, you know, the funny part is when I first presented my line, I went to Vogue with my um, then business partner at the time. Um, And he was like, don't, I'll never forget it. I love him to death though, but he was like, just chill out about Bronx, like just kind of just talk about the clothes. And, uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, cool. And I dressed a certain way and like, you know, there was no flavor. I got mm-hmm. rid of all my, my essence, you know? And I remember it like, was unseasoned chicken. Yeah. And then when I got there and I presented, I didn't feel authentic. And then they, I think they also felt it too, which is why they didn't write about me, you know? Instead, the next one, I went to style.com the same day we ran up to up to sat.com and at some a whisper so i get whispers right so this whisper in my ear said be yourself tell her your birthday tell the story and i heard this and it was a whisper. it was so low but it, something said you know what the brand is by, inspired by me. I'm from the Bronx. I worked for Baby Fat when I was, you know, and I also worked for Ralph Rucci and I have ability to, you know, mix two worlds. I am from both luxury and street. And I think wear is going to be so, this is 2013. I think streetwear is going to be so important. And I think um, the whole industry is going to start getting more street shots and da, 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 da. I was talking, I was talking and testifying to my own truths, And that was the moment I, it was the best moment of my life because, me saying why the 531 was, which is my birthday, you know, so um, me saying 531 is my birthday. I am a Gemini. The girl who I was interviewing with was a Gemini. And guess when her birthday was? May 31st. No. I swear to God. Also, perfect. y'all, I yeah. just want to point
0: out that my whole life I've been calling this thing 531. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, <laughs> 531,
2: no, you, you can say whatever; you, it's the same thing,
0: all the same numbers. But yeah, you was like, as long as you get my birthday, that's yeah.
2: Because some people just, you know, they just kind of don't even. But the number is inspired by my birthday, um, which was a number that I kept seeing since I got the internship at Baby Fat. So it my it was my late and my grandmother told me before she passed, before I knew she was going to pass away, that she's going to send me signs and always look for them signs. And I did, I I mean, I guess it came to me and I started seeing 531, 531, 531. And I was like, wow, that's my birthday everywhere. And every time I did something right or every time I um, said the right things, the number was always there to protect me. Mm -hmm. You know, so Mm -hmm. to this very day I live by it because I feel like that's my grandmother Speaking to me and saying, "Keep going. You are doing the right thing. Stop. Don't get distracted. Keep focused." And I'm so blessed for it because every time I, um, every time I design something, it's always been more futuristic. So, because you know, I'm more of I'm a futurist, is what my clients call me. Right. So, uh, my job is to foresee and predict and give reasons why things are going to come or they're occurring. The thing is. Uh, when I was doing this years ago, people just didn't understand. Um, they, they were not, they, they did understand. They just were more afraid, I should say, to take those risks, you know? So I took them. That's why I started the brand. Cause the brand uh, was centered around maximalism, which is what everyone's doing now, right? Well, we're, we're doing at the point with Gucci and things like that. Um, Area, all those luxury brands are doing what I was already doing, you know? So, um, it was my job to swing the pendulum the opposite way from the minimal Phoebe Philo Celine world that we were living in the norm core, mm-hmm. you know. And I love Phoebe Philo, but mm-hmm. my role was different, and it was to talk about yo know, streetwear is important. And this is before Virgil did Off White. Virgil in you know, my, um, you know, he's kind of canceled now, but you know, Virgil was kind of was on my page a lot at the time, and I was talking about streetwear and luxury and these sexy girls and diversity and, you know, and I just didn't get picked up by the Vogue um, understanding of things. However, I got picked up by the New York times every year, every season I was in the New York times, every, I even had a New York times mm-hmm. cover. You know, I'm good. Cause I don't, cause to me Vogue is only speaking to one group of people.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: they weren't speaking to the, to my sister who was a black woman in the Bronx. They weren't speaking to, the educated woman that I dealt with who was a client who was from the Midwest, who did Target, you know, who was a, a trend person that tra- at Target. They didn't—they spoke to a certain kind of person who was a very certain kind of woman. Whereas I wanted the bigger picture. So me landing the cover of the New York Times in 2016 was me simply saying, "This is where I belong," um, and this is for the world. I'm not—it's not just one thing that I am good at. I'm good at many, and I want everyone to realize you can move in different rooms and different boxes. And when you get into those rooms that you wish you you want to be in, or you have to prep yourself to get into, just know that you're in there, and your presence is important. You are significant. You're you are relevant, and everything you have to bring to the table and everything you have to say to whomever is significant. Because if you didn't have to, if you didn't exist, you wouldn't have that thought in your mind to do so. So. That's how I look at it, Mm. you know, like think about like, I get crazy, but I think about like, think about all the obstacles each and every one of us who's on this planet alive right now had to go through just to get to the egg, (laughs) from a firm cell to the egg, to to getting through all those trimesters and all those other stuff to become an actual human being who has thought and spirit. Like imagine that's a lot of work, you know, Mm -hmm. so Everyone who is who exists right now is—they matter. They, they, you know, Black Lives right now matter more than anything. You know, we're in the mm-hmm. streets. But we are all supposed to be here to raise the vibration of this planet. And if you know one party doesn't want us here, I'm pretty sure the Earth is going to take care of it and do what she does. I have, you know, I have a really macro idea of how I see the world, and I do believe that this shift is happening for a reason. So. Uh, sorry, I was a little tangent, but <laughs> no, you are five, three, one—the spirituality. It all goes one for me.
0: He was like, "We'll give you the the footnotes." No, everything is everything. Which which you said is just so. I think, first of all, so relevant to the fashion industry, and one thing you guys—if you—if you, if you listened—you you would have noted that fashion is so cyclical. And that people are talking that people are manifesting and doing things now that some people were already putting on the radar a long time ago, which is, I mean, first of all, that is literally the embodiment of what black culture on the impact of fashion yeah. and beauty and all these other industries is. Yeah. Right. But then also that um you have to own your space, have man. To own but to things- own it, like just own the whole mm-hmm. thing, just the whole block, just take out the whole mm-hmm. block. Okay. But one thing else that you said in the the beginning that I think is also so important is that you knew you were talented. You saw the signs. You knew that you were going to get there, but you did the work. The work is all I'm about. I'm all about the work. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like maybe social media has kind of shifted for a lot of people the perception of what it means to be... Uh, anything yeah. nowadays, and the, because of the glossiness of what they think it is, a lot of people aren't doing the work. Can you talk to the kids? So this is
2: the funniest part of the whole thing. Is like the reason why I, I just got a really fat check sent to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm good, 50k. You know what I
1: mean?
2: <laughs> it's so crazy. But the funny part is because these people who I'm dealing with know I'm doing. I'm about to work. The, I just so happen to get the attention through social media, but I was always the man, the guy, the, the team who was behind the scenes saying, you should hire this person. This is the concept now. You should look at this color. So the, I was always the whisperer for brands, many brands, many celebrities that most people have no clue about. But I was in the background telling them, hey, look at this person. Give this person a chance. But, you know, I just don't have to get pushed to the front. But the thing is, me putting in the work is what, the, what, is, what, making, was what makes um, my clients like me because they know that I would rather just stay, I stay home and I'd rather just do the work. I don't really go to parties unless I have to, or I feel the need to be social, but I'm pretty much a loner who just likes to do the work. I wake up at 4 a.m. every day. I get up, I do my meditation, I start working. And so I get a lot of work done every two hours, um, because I work in twos, um, every two hours and get a lot of stuff done within the day. Like, I'm not going to let things sit. Sometimes they do get, like, think off of you being patient with me because it was been a, such a busy <laughs> it's been such a busy couple of quarters it's like overlapping right now uh but yeah, my world comes from just getting the job done and and knocking things out and I think that's where the clients come in they love the fact that I do that first and then the influencer quote unquote part comes in I don't, I'm not even an influencer like I'm just straight up a futurist that influences bigger industries i think and it, that's and that's where my popularity is coming from along with mm-hmm. the flavor because i'm not going to hold any punches um along with like my creativity along with my authenticity all that stuff is just is becoming a, a nutshell something that's really special
0: you know? yeah but i mean what you said is pretty much what an influencer at least should be Yeah, should be right. right. Now, it, yeah. The,
2: oh she looks pretty oh she's just her waist is snatched she got her butt filler she got her he got oh he's oh look how he poses. he poses cute oh he's handsome he has a good jawline all this stuff is cute but when you come when it comes down to it can you do the work what talents do you actually have you know like mm. what can you read and write like, can you draw? Like, what are you? What do you bring? What are you contributing to the world off the digital platform that's going to make this planet move forward? Because if you're not doing anything that is a physical job or physically working or producing something that is beautiful, like art or things like that, you're, gonna, you're just mm. posting cute pictures. And now we're in a stage where people are trying to figure out what they're going to do because now they can't pretend to stunt. You know, hello, and that's the funny part. It was like, y'all, are, y'all stunting and trying to get these dollars, but, you know, the clients are done with that. They are done. And I, I'm speaking and having conversations with real, you know, corporate companies like, yo, they're not interested in the pretty picture anymore. And it's a new, a new cycle as we're entering, which is why I say I'm excited, even though it's like kind of scary, but I'm excited for the shift that was long overdue. You know, Vogue, yeah. for example, all of the, the magazines are shifting, right? They don't know what they're going to do because they can't pull, they can't this, but that is also affecting the timing of calendars. Like the calendars of producing goods was already screwed up for the fashion industry. So now mm-hmm. it's been cleansed. Now their stores have been cleansed because <laughs> mm-hmm. now everyone's coming, they've all come and grab things. Now the marketing and not marketing, the um, manufacturing has been shifted because now, Everything is completely new. Everyone's starting from zero in the fashion industry, you know. And I, I'm sitting here chilling, like, oh, told y'all, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like y'all weren't checking for the for the kid, you know. And so, my I was so the funny part is, I was approached to apply for the CFDA awards in 2016. The same time I opened my store,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I was so sure that I was going to be at least the one token black kid in the, in the mix. And um, I didn't get it. And I remember sitting in my store on the day of, of the announcement and saying to myself, wait, why am I trying to fit into a, a, the mold of CFDA and Vogue? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, and the funny part is I'll tell you in a bit, but I, so I shifted my whole perspective. Like, okay, I own a store already. Like, I'm going to make my store about, you know, young, more young designers because I have young designers in there already. But I, wanted to, I started searching for new designers and giving them a more platform and changed myself from being a designer to being more of a retailer at that time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was the smartest thing I've ever done. Sorry for the mm-hmm. loudness in the back. Um, awesome. It was one of the best things I've ever done because it was me... Saying the underdog deserves a chance too. If a retailer, so the and his, I'm going backwards again. So two retailers that I was being courted by and chasing after, and was like, I this is my dream place. They shut me down, um, uh, which was Jeffrey's, which is now closed, and Barney's, which is also now closed. You know? Mm. And the gagging part is they don't exist anymore but I do, you know, and I love, I loved those stores so much. And then they kept saying, well, we're going to check, we're going to keep following you and give you an opportunity. Eventually we think you're so cute and we love your brand. They never gave me a chance, which is why I opened my own store. Wow. You know, so the fact that they didn't listen and they didn't understand and comprehend the idea of streetwear and luxury and like basically what Off-White did is what I was doing um, before Off-White was Off-White, which allowed me to become someone, um, just someone who I've always wanted to be, which is authentic to to the truth, you know? And so, yeah. But Go it's, ahead. Oh,
0: I was just going to say, it's just, but I find that, like, even funny, maybe because it's just the petty in me, mm-hmm. but, like, it's so funny how people who think that they have the upper hand... How the ties can turn so quickly. All the time.
2: Exactly. No. Like, and all that's. All time. time out here. Right? Like, you gotta remember people are like, do you know this is a song by Layla Hathaway called um, Always Remember My friends, yes. The world will change again. I'm gonna sing it all the way. Uh-huh. And you may have to go back mm-hmm. through everywhere you've been. So that stays in my brain because it's like, I stay humble as fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, but I do know like there's a cycle to everything. There's a season for everything. F-
0: and that's an Ecclesiastes for all my Bible fans out there. Oh. Ain't nothing new up under the sun. Hello. <laughs>
2: you know, so it's like, but you know, the industry was so, the industry was doing the most. They were not letting, you know, they were pretending to like people. They were pretending to give people opportunity. They were pretending to uh, give a shit. And now, they are trying to figure out what to do. I mean, granted, now with um, Amazon, but everything has just shifted, and mm-hmm. it's a new cycle. And you know, you forewarn people, and you try to say, "Hey, this is what it is," and they don't listen, and the results are such. You
0: know? Right, but I think what you said also is something that whether. Uh, You're listening, and you are um, a brand, or an influencer, or a designer. Like we collectively, as the Black community, I feel have often done this, where we've told people like these are the people who are hot, these are the Mm -hmm. people who you should watch out for, and stuff. And then nobody listened. And then all of a sudden, when they pop out, oh, can you give me this? Can you help me get this? (laughs) Right, right. You're like, oh, can I? Like, can we? Like, can we set up an interview? Can we this? Can we that? And it's one of those things that, like, just as easy as that, um, what is it? It's just as easy as that affirmation from somebody else can be given. It can be so easily taken away. But (laughs) that. So true. I was going to say, but that's why you just got to have your own shit. And like, and walk in it and be proud of Mm -hmm. it. Like, even if other people don't see you. Or see the worth in it, you know that you bring something to that the knowing
2: again, it goes to that whole point of saying that like, this is what I'm here for. Like I my path is not you know, like I was feeling away because I was like, Wang is Alice in the Wang is getting all this attention for doing stuff that everyone has been doing forever. Or Juicy Couture was knocking over knocking off baby fat back in the day, but Vogue wouldn't give them a chance to do anything. Like there's so many things that I've noticed along the way growing up in the industry and like saying, Wow They really just don't care. They want to take the the culture vulture style of things and and do what they want Mm -hmm. to do with it and not give any credit back. And, you know, yes, okay, we got to the point where there's a few great black designers now, finally, and they're all my friends and all my peers, but I'm not even a designer anymore. Like, I think being a designer is is obsolete right now. Like, it has nothing to do with nothing that's happening uh, within the world, within the cycle of the planet, because we need to fix this shit before, you know, it's too late. We already are too late. You know, there's so much stuff on a macro level that the fashion industry is not contributing to um, and and contributing to on the negative side, you know, that, that needs to be shifted, mm-hmm. you know, and I left knowing, like, yo, I'm good. Like, my brain, like, uh, I mean, I love to, like, my dad always laughs. Like, he always laughs about my IQ. He's like, you have a fucking high IQ. You better make sure they know that, dude. You're like, I have a high IQ. My IQ is pretty high, you know, and I move <laughs> I move differently than people because I don't need a crowd of people. I don't need a bunch of friends. I don't need, and you know how I am. I'm kind of like standoffish, but I love people. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I'm a, I'm a loner. You, I'm never around a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and it's all love. I just, my world has never been, I have a bunch of siblings. I have three other siblings to hang out with. You know, I'm so close to them. They get me they get my crazy brain, you know, that I'm very sensitive and like, you know, my, you know, I'm protected by them yeah. and I don't really need that many friends for that reason, you know? Um, so the way I move in the world comes from the way that I was raised and the way that my, you know, I've been taught to be and the way I see the world, which has a little more, um, to me, it's more of a formula to to everything, you know? So going back to my starting thing about the seasons, right? I believe everything has a season. There's a season for the like we have four seasons, right? But there's a season again in your life that you just have to remember. There's a time for work, there's a time for play, time for partying, time for there's a time for everything. You know, so if you really realize where you are in your season, no one can stop mm. you in your path on your journey. At Mm. And I think if people get stop being so distracted by what they see on social media, the fakeness of social media, they can really kill it. You know? So I'm in, so I actually right before you I had a call with a publisher who approached me. Um, hopefully we do this book, but they're interested and I was actually I'm so I'm thinking about releasing a book that is talking yeah. about all the stuff, you know, talking about ways to be both creative and productive and spiritual and stylish all in one thing you know so i mean we'll see how that goes
0: <laughs> from your lips to god's ears right and we obviously see that you you have gotten down the idea of manifestation and also putting in that work together so i i, I don't <laughs> think we'll have a, we'll have an issue with that okay <laughs> but i mean what so many things that you said and and dropped are just like I could sit on those all day, but I want to, um, also segue a little bit because you, you brought it up that you are no longer a designer. I mean, I will, I will always think of you as a designer Mm -hmm. as well, on top of everything else that you do. But, um, can you talk us through a little bit about, about that? Like what, at what point did you want to be the person serving the clothes to then the person creating a platform for others to do that? Like, What did that transition look like for you? Um,
2: It was it it was seamless, you know. Like again, that CFDA call, all that email from CFDA rejecting me, was me simply looking at like I literally sat in my store and said, "Why am I doing this?" Knowing that I was making something that was significant, um, knowing that there was so just such a cool story behind me at that time, and I didn't get picked, was. A rude awakening for me you know it was simply saying bro you are a black man in america and not everyone's going to get you and your concepts and you just have to big you have to i I don't want to be too crazy but you have to burn the buildings down and do it for yourself you know and and, and that was literally (laughs) what i said to myself and my assistant at the time um, I was like, yo, we're switching everything. We're going to switch up. I literally, after that email, I read it. I just, you know, digested it. And I said, okay, we're going to switch up this whole thing. And I'm going to start putting myself. So that's when the brand started to be phased away. So you came, I remember you came to one of my, my, um, ones about, that was one of the last couple ones that I did it was my sixth collection mm-hmm. on the roof deck of Pier 59, which no one was showing at the time. Nobody showed at Pier 59, but me. Um, which is so funny. Now Everybody show's there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that collection was me mourning in a sense, like saying, yo, people do not care about me. And my, I was a little standoff for everyone because I was sad. My friend had just died. The collection was inspired by um, the rising tides and the seas and diversity and like the future of, of the globe and all this other futurism. And um, that was probably the best collection I've ever done because it was so much um, sorrow in it. And so much, um, per, it was so much of a, it was like a mirror reflection of who, how I saw myself and how my brand needed to evolve, which had more streetwear, like just way more streetwear and less cocktail dresses and things I was trying to get to at the Vogue, quote, quote, unquote, Vogue darling. Uh, and I brought it more down to the streets and like, Really gave them the street style, you know, uh, and that yes. was the best collection I've ever done because that collection had my crystal jacket in it, um, which was the mm-hmm. best thing ever. And the best part is, Haley Baldwin saw that jacket. Her Haley Baldwin stylist saw that jacket, demanded I sent it to her for uh, Paris, Paris Fashion Week. Sent it straight from the show to her. She wore it, and that was a money. That was a money tree period since since mm. she's worn that she has made the most money for me out of every celebrity i've ever worked with I was wearing wow. one denim jacket which i priced stupidly high on purpose because i didn't want to make the jacket because it was me hand beating you know <laughs> like i priced it at like it 70 $7, eight thousand dollars and i was getting calls from all around the world um, mainly in China to get this jacket. I never, mm. that was the most successful I have ever been because I did about, mm, I think around 18, 19 jackets custom made. Each jacket was custom made to order. Some was even $10,000, but I was like, I'm not making them anymore. But they were like, any price, any price. I just would throw in it. And that's what helped keep my store open. And keep me afloat. Wow. So that blessing um, of that jacket just kind of kept giving the blessings that keep giving, and people love it still. They still yeah. want this jacket. I denied it. I'm like, yo, I don't make it anymore.
0: <laughs> right. You're like, ah, I'm out the game. I right.
2: huh? <laughs> you know, but I use social media um, to tell my story and to make to position myself from being a designer, quote unquote, to Jerome. The Style Monk, which is what my main brand has always been. Um, mm-hmm. And it was great. It was a great transitioning saying, oh, yeah, he is a designer. But, oh, yeah, he does do lectures about technology and futurism and color. And, oh, yeah, and he is a retailer. Oh, he does give platforms to new designer. So it's like this whole, um, you know, universal thing that I created for myself, which allows me to move and pivot accordingly. You know, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like if I would have stayed as just a designer, I would be sitting here with an attitude talking to you.
0: <laughs> like mm-hmm.
2: trying to figure out what's gonna happen to my life.
0: Like ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, you know. Figuring out how you show at Fashion right. Week. Which, if everybody was there right. in February, we already this conversation about Fashion Week needing to be reevaluated, you know? not just from the sustainability factor, but just all as a whole has been a conversation being had oh, for yes. years, and this, fr- this last February, it was just ghetto. It was just, we the couldn't worst. do it no more. The not the, and not the good ghetto either. Like just,
2: it was like why are you even showing? Why are you doing this? because yeah, they're, they're struggling, and the thing is, you know, God knows what He's doing. Like the cycles of the season has ended for one thing and it's shifting into another, and. You just gotta be ready for it and move with it and and respect it because I think people go crazy. I'm talking about the seasons, right? So when you're in that, when you're in a season of doing the work, it feels like it's never going to end. Never gonna end. Oh my gosh! I gotta keep working this way. I gotta keep living this way. I gotta keep struggling. But then when you realize that all of that hard work was for something bigger, it feels so good you know, and I think that's where my role comes in as a, I guess, I'm not a spiritual guide, I'm just myself, but I have a lot of spirituality Mm -hmm. in me, and I'd like to share it. I think that's where my role comes in, and be like, yo, stop getting distracted, yo, shut up, don't talk to your friends for a while, put in the work, whether it's, you know, whether you gotta do some water fast and pray, whether you gotta, you know, Read a bunch of books or whatever it is you gotta do, but put in that work, because that work eventually, those seeds that you're planting will always come to, to the surface. Mm. You know? It gets hard out I here. Mean, it's hard right now for a lot of people. But a lot of my friends who I'm like helping and guiding, they're feeling better now because they're like, Wow, shit, like I got a chance to do this, or I discovered something else about me, or just things, things like that that they got to do the work and now they feel kind of content enough to know whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We can't control it. Like We are not God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You just got to be prepared enough to know whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And be prepared in your best way. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing is, it's like you can read all of the Vogue and WWD and it's a fashion article that says that fashion needs a reset Mm -hmm. button, but God was like, y'all ain't moving fast that's enough, cool. and so he, he so, so he put us like during COVID, yeah. But they ain't
2: listening. And then he said, "Yeah, all right, yeah, let's act up. Let's get these uh these infiltrators because there's a lot of people who ain't who really who to just fuck up shit. Mm-hmm. Let's just have them destroy the whole fashion system. Let's have them just rob all the stores, and that's how I mm-hmm. see it because it's like a it's a total cleansing. It's crazy." Mm-hmm. It's so funny, but it's like so sad. It's so crazy, at the, like to see that it's been cleansed. Now, yeah. like, there's no way you can resell anything. There's no way you can put anything on sale
0: because you don't got no merch, right? <laughs> you know? Right. You don't have nothing. Yeah. And then when you come back, like you, like what after over? Right, literally from COVID, yeah. which took out us out for like what at least three whole months now. Season. You know?
2: So it's like, but these cycles is what, these are what we need, you know? We're in another, we're in a, this, I think of cycles as different things, right? So we're in a, there's a micro cycle, there's a macro cycle that we're in. And if we are cognizant and aware that these are, this is part of the change, you've got to go through all this hard shit to, to become better, this is what it is, you know? What yeah. came after, what came after the dark ages? the renaissance Mm you know what i'm saying so this is our dark age and if we wake up and stop well there's people who hate us for no reason but if people stop hating for no reason they'll see that yo we needed to do this yes there's a lot of hate and drama but we'll shift into something more more aware too because now everyone's being transparent
0: yeah and i think that's not Right, I was gonna say that I was was gonna say like even though we're talking about like the fashion cycle, this is so much of a bigger picture, just of what's happening right now. And we were talking about it right before we started recording how like we are now having to be confronted with the things that for years people have said, oh this isn't true or oh this isn't really how it is. And now, friends, don't worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, like he's like, I have my black friend. I've dated a black man before,
2: and yeah, exactly. And now it's like different things are surfacing in different ways and people are, is more complex than what they even could think of. And it's really just interesting. And I think it needed to surface all the way and bubble up so people can really confront it. So we can move the fuck on in this century. Like, yeah, like We've been stuck in the same fakeness since the civil rights. They are tolerating us. They're dealing with us. They They really don't want us around. Uh, but they're just secretly racist, you know. There's, uh, you know, not everyone. I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying there's, you know, certain key people who just they're just tolerating us or they just try to avoid us as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But now everything's really coming to collision, and 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 we're seeing that we just have to really confront the situation and build a better society so we can really all move upward, vibration.
0: Yeah. And then also
1: mm-hmm.
2: I said we're still whack. Like we should be doing some some major things as, as a planet right now, but we are all stuck in a division, which we should not be doing right now. Like right. Like, like we're
0: in
1: tension yeah. right now. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important because like uh one thing you said earlier was like you you yourself also had to confront this with your friends and people mm-hmm. who grown up and you're like, we've had the same upbringing. We we've been around diverse communities our entire life. And then it's like moments like this, when you really see that you're like, a have- black man, but like, y'all see me as a, as the black friend.
2: I thought, you know, this, mm-hmm. but this, I have a bunch of white friends who are like, not like that, but then I have other white friends who are like, yeah, you know, you're my only one, and I'm like, yo, we can't. Like, I can't help you. I can't even educate you on this because I, it's gonna make me. It's exhausting, you know. You don't understand if you're not looking, if you're not allowing yourself to mm-hmm. see your see the macro situation. Then I can't help you with that. I can't. I you know. Yes, our one-on-one relationship is fine and it's cool. Um, but then there's another conversation to be had about just society and how society treats us. And we need our allies, our white allies and Jewish allies to really step up and, you know, call out racism when they see it behind closed doors, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been saying to people and like text, like DMing to people like, yeah, I, I know you love me. I know you think I'm great. I know you think I'm so dope and so fabulous. But my only thing is just make sure that um, you're holding other white people accountable for racism behind closed doors. You know, cause that's where it really matters.
0: Yeah. And I think like this moment has also been able to show like what brands are really about mm-hmm. it versus what brands are saying there about it. Cause like you have everybody from, um, well, Celine,
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I was because I, I was thinking at first, yeah. I was like, because I was thinking about how Rihanna t- told everybody to pull up. Yeah. And then I was like, All right, cool, like we pulling up. And then Aurora who called out and was like, y'all need to buy black, buy, buy black, 15 uh, percent of our inventory so we can uh, do what we got to do. I mean, you have even makeup brands like Glossier and MAC that are making huge contributions. But then you also have other brands that, um, you know, are, are posting statements like, you know, there is only one race. Yes. Or, uh, you know, we're all in this together. And then, but yet you haven't seen Not a black one. model on
2: there. Now, one black thing <laughs> on their post, at, like Celine. Celine had no black people. When Phoebe Philo was there, she had tons of black girls. But this whole Heidi mm-hmm. Salman, Celine thing, ain't had nobody. Nobody. Like forever. Like for since he came into the house, he had like one or two black people in the runway. Wow. You know, but mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate. And, it's not our job to educate anybody. We have too many other things to do and worry about. If you really, if you really want to make a difference and you really want to um, make sure you are doing your part, you need to do the homework, do the work. They used to say when I was younger, Tina used to say this to me, I can't do your job unless you want me to take your salary. <laughs> and. And, you know, that was so harsh, but I, I learned that lesson. Like, yo, I'm going to outwork everybody. So I, I worked to everybody. I wanted everyone's salary. You know, like I was the youngest one. You right. Know? So that was me and baby fat doing the most. I was so aggressive. Um, but, you know, those lessons are real. Like, yo, I can't do your job. You have to do your mm-hmm. job. And that job, meaning whether it's, you know, researching or just understanding like, yo, this system is rigged. To make sure blacks never come up, you know, yeah. from the redlining that they do for um, loans that they give, to you know the funds that they put towards people who are in poverty and education, and you know the fact that you can't get scholarships and stuff, or, or you can't get scholarships, but you can't get loans and stuff like that to go to college because of you're in those red line places. Domino effect, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't build generational wealth mm-hmm. if you don't have a platform to start on. So I posted today. A picture of my um, great, great grandmother, Minnie Pringle, who um, was the daughter of a slave. She probably was a slave herself, I'm pretty sure. Um, and she became a businesswoman, a, a sharecropper, you know, same thing. But now you got a little bit of you get money for it. And right. it, it's just, I put it up. I, had, I was thinking about her and I was like, wow, I've never met you, but I respect you. Because you led, you gave way for someone like me to exist. Because my, I am so unapologetically black. Like you know, like uh, and, I, and I, my family's diverse. Like there's German blood, but I'm a black man, you know. And I identify as just black. And the magic of that whole situation is my granddad, Minnie's grand, great no, Minnie's great grandson. Minnie's grandson, excuse me, um, he's still alive. He's an artist. He's, you know, amazing. He's 86, no, 84. Excuse me, 84 right now. And he basically told me this as a kid, like, yo, don't forget that you that we can always make them, but they can never make us. Mm. Um, When he said that, it's like all these things that came to mind, like, wow, that's crazy. You know, like, knowing, like, wow, yeah, we actually did give birth to a lot of people. We come in all shades and all colors, and we give birth to all, like, dark, whatever. We can give birth to them, but they can never give you the opposite. They can't. It's impossible genetically, you know? And that's how that works. You know, the fact that our hair, but this is what he said, too. He's like, I have really curly, 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 really nice curly hair. Um, do not He's like, your hair grows... Like trees. Don't forget, everything that is alive grows upward towards the sun. Which is why the afro is so beautiful and so important. Like the afro looks like a tree. It is a tree. Cause it is, because it's growing upward towards the sun, the way that all living things usually grow. It's not it's not dead. It's growing upward.
0: Every part of us is alive. It's
2: alive. And if we and our melanin absorbs the UV, the sun, it becomes energy for us. Which is why they made us into slaves because they couldn't handle they can't even handle the sun. So when you know these elements that makes us superhuman, what makes you think that anyone's words and their un their um, uneducated guesses and assumptions of who you are as a person has any effect on you? It doesn't, mm. and that's how I believe. Mm.
0: Ooh, y'all! I know y'all have it because I have chills down my <laughs> chills down my spine. <laughs> trying to find a mirror up in my living room so I could look Ooh. at me and say I'm beautifully and wonderfully made.
2: Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's like we we literally were built a, a very significant way, differently, now everybody want to look like us. Everybody wants to live. They hated us with the lips. They hate us with our noses. They hated us with our bodies. And now everyone wants to be and look like us and have our swag and our flyness and the stuff that comes natural to us because of where we, what our DNA provides us with. But if you think about it, it's like we're being suppressed because if we know who we are, the paradigm will definitely shift in a different way that most people can't handle. Um, And, you know, I'm not being mean, I'm not being disrespectful, but the facts are there. You know, we create stuff naturally. We create rock and roll. We create hip-hop. We create stuff that everyone into gospel. We create all the stuff that people live through but they don't want a piece of when it comes to being that it is black but they want to they want a piece of it but they don't want to claim the full blackness of it but it's okay yes. because that's what our our role is we are creators we are we are makers we are alive i'm talking to you as i look at a whole sea of green trees and it just remind like yo it just is like a whole bunch of black people with afros who has green hair <laughs> like it's so weird to look at it and say that, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, yo, like we got, it's so dope. And they come in different colors and different arrays of green. And then I'm thinking like, yo, my grandfather was so right. And mm-hmm. I was brainwashed to think that as a kid, which is a good brainwashing. Unlike some people who got the other route, the other side of it, you know? So yeah, the beauty, you know, and he told me this because he saw his uncle get lynched as a kid, which made him. Mm. Really had to figure out who he was, and you know, he told me about my grandfather, my great grandfather, who was his dad, who how wonderful he was, and how brilliant he was, and how polished and sophisticated and worldly. Um, but because he was black, you know how that is. You yeah, know, so.
0: but I mean, what you said it means like it, we come from a
2: lineage mm-hmm. of beauty. Mm-hmm. Our standards are the standards. You know, like we're not, we don't have to tan. The sun naturally kisses our skin, and it becomes energy. <laughs> like that's why we love the summer. We love the you know we love all that because it's our natural, our natural being. So, oh, I wish I knew that though. I wish I remembered that that power when I went into that meeting with Vogue when I first showed my collection on the desk side review. I didn't. I let, I stripped all that away. I actually blew up my my hair, not permed it, but I blew it out straight, put it in a, a man bun, a ponytail, you know. I, and I, had, I wore a loafer. I wore a blue and white striped button down shirt and a skinny jean. And, you know, I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Um, you know, and, and I regret, that was the one thing I regret about the brand, that I didn't present myself authentically. At that point, until the, the meeting after, when I felt insecure and heard the whisper in my ear, like "Stop playing, do you?" Mm. You know, and I've done it ever since.
0: Yeah, so, but I think you need those moments yeah. though, because it's like if I put on a pair of jeans that's too tight, you gonna feel yeah. it, and you yeah. will remember whenever you buy jeans for the rest of your mm-hmm. life what it felt like. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't, like you know, pick up the pencil. So nothing. uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. You remember that uncomfort. You have to... So the same way you sit in your oneness, you have to also sit in discomfort, I think, sometimes. So you will always remember, I never want to feel this way again. Ever
2: again. again. Ever, ever, never, ever. You know? Mm.
0: And I think that this is a bigger moment that's happening where a lot of Black people who have been... (sighs) I, don't, I won't say complacent, but who have been silent, whether it's been on Black Lives, on Black Lives Mattering, who have not wanted to shake up the table in mm-hmm. both their creative mm-hmm. and corporate spaces, who have not wanted to help, wanted to hold their their non-POC friends accountable. Mm-hmm. I think they are having this moment right now where they are being stretched and they don't ever want to feel this uncomfortable ever again. I don't know that's a word. Discomfort. Yep. Y'all know what yep. I'm talking about. Discomfort ever yep. again. And a change is coming. I I really okay. think that we will never yeah. start, I mean we already knew Yeah, we can't. We literally can't. There's no way. I mean, first of all, we already weren't going back because COVID yeah. has literally <laughs> reshifted the work paradigm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why anyone needs offices anymore. Just like work in your living room. Figure it out. Like <laughs> but you know, we already weren't going back. And so now that that on top of this layer where people are holding these leaders accountable, I think it's just a. Uh, a moment, but even if you're not a leader, as far as like a CEO, an executive, anything, you are the leader of your life. And as you're, you and your story have shown us, there is so much that one can do just simply by answering the call and being true to yourself. Absolutely.
1: So, I'm so oh my grateful. Gosh. So, uh,
0: I mean, I'm grateful like that there are just people like you because we don't, see, I think, we don't get to see often people who achieve success in the industry, who have have still been able to say, I've been kind to people. I really put in the work. I don't exploit the work or the labor of of lower tiered people in order to be successful. And then I I don't have to chase this idea or aspect of fame or fast fashion in order to get where I'm going. And I think that voices like yours are such, I I wouldn't even say a breath of fresh air because you've been this way, but like are just what we need right now, what the industry needs, what Black creators need, what we all just need. You know,
2: and this is probably the funniest part, right? Remember, that whole shift happened because the CFDA didn't have me. They didn't understand me. However, I've been attending mm. the CFDA Awards uh, for like two, two and a half years, three years. <laughs> They've been, I've been, you know what I mean? So like, I know, I knew me standing in my truth. And being honest with myself allowed me to become and pivot and become who I am now. Like you know, like I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. When I say like it's so funny, and I laugh. We laugh now because I'm like, yo, I'm dead ass getting dressed up, wearing like cars are picking me up, wearing Margella custom clothes, looking the best, going to the CFDA Awards. Every time I go, I laugh. I laugh every single time because they one from one person who was overlooked to a person who's literally sitting there eating. is so funny. Mm. I didn't you know, I wasn't mm. a designer. I'm not a designer. They had me there as a guest of the sponsors. You see what I mean? So like I'm, I'm sitting there cute.
0: <laughs> right.
2: You don't have to struggle. You ain't trying to figure out. You ain't stretching out. I ain't trying to, I don't have to kiss the one's ass. I walked through there. I, the best part of this recent one which is such a funny thing. I walked through there and I knew I looked great because it was like, it's always a few days after my birthday usually. Right. But I walked through mm-hmm. there and I always feel empowered and attractive. And it's so funny because everyone from Tom Ford this year to Donna Karen, to everyone was like seeing how beautiful I was, which made me in my mind say, I have arrived, you know? And then, and it was, it wasn't the validation from them. It was the, it was the feeling of I don't care what you think if you like if you think I'm fab or not you know that is how I knew I arrived because I didn't give two shits about what any of them thought of me, and I, it, it was such a um, it was such a refreshing feeling to walk into that that museum and everyone turned and looked at how I look. because I know how to walk into a room I'm a Gemini. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I walked in mm-hmm. and I knew I looked beautiful because I knew I was beautiful. I smelled beautiful. I was wearing custom clothes that I had that I made. I was wearing Margiela shoes and sparkles. Like, I was myself, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, you are a vision!" And I was like, "Cool, awesome." Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. It was like the, it went back to that energy of when I was a kid. at uh-huh. You know, at keypad, <laughs> like, oh, the I keep knowing part, which I kind of lost along the way because I was—it was the uncertainty. But I knew at that point that none of their comments or compliments or praises meant anything because I was already that—I won't say that bitch, but I felt like I was that bitch at that point because came my account. I was already like I was good, you know. I am good. And um, I just yeah. want people to hear this, who hear this, to know, like, listen, your story is your story and it's significant. Again, it, it means something. And if you keep going and you keep passing um, all those barriers, you're going to see the, the big picture and you're going to look back and laugh. And, you, know, you know, And I think if more people start to think of, of the world as a cycle and then seasons again, that they will achieve any vision that they want, as long as they're putting in that work.
0: Mm. Jerome, you done took me to church, child, Bible study, everything, that Saturday service that they talk about. I don't know. You just touched my soul. My goodness. But I just, um, you kind of said this, but I want to just end with what your advice is to people out there who are either trying to find their purpose, find their calling, or to the misfits of the world um, that are walking in it and just trying to figure out how to use their platform even during today's time?
2: So I believe that um, if you're waking up in the morning and you feel like this is what you have to do, then that's what you need to be doing. Whether it is sleeping (laughs) or, you know, hosting a podcast or simply writing or just, you know, being a troll, whatever it is, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So you need to focus your energy and become the best at it. So do your research, do your homework, um, understand what is happening on a macro level in that industry. Understand how it's going to affect you as a as a young professional or creative. Um, and understand what what is your conversation? What is the jobs that you're doing? Meaning, why would I even want to deal with you? What what are you contributing to this to this project, to this industry? How are you making your um, voice heard? How are you making it different for people? Um, to embrace whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you gotta do the the counter work, basically, to to create your own world. Similar to what I did when I did five three one, the counter to everything that was happening in the industry was um, maximalism. So I drew my whole shit. So okay, streetwear maximalism, it's glamorous, sparkly, you know. Uh, and it, and I'm happy because it paid my I paved my own lane, and um I think if we if people who are listening if they're feeling down, if they're feeling confused, go back to what it is that made you do it in the first place and hold on to that thought and that needs to be the first thought you hold on to when you wake up, even if you got to write it down and stare at it. Do that because that is staying in your truth. And you're not getting distracted by the BS and the negativity that's happening out here.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Jerome, you have been a light, which I already knew you was going to be, but I'm just so happy we're able to do this. Yeah, thank you Oh. What am I going to do? Tell you no, I'm, I'm, I'm on am <laughs> You're time. so busy. You're hitting me up like <laughs> I'm so busy. <laughs> I'm so busy right now. Like, I got to go. Like, what? No. Not at all, but tell everybody where they can find you at, um, social, shameless plug, mm-hmm. all that. Uh,
2: I live on Instagram. It's just my name, Jerome Lamar. Um, also, I have my website, um, Jerome JeromeLamar.com, excuse me. Um, I'm also about to start this whole thing called uh, WAVE, which is W-E-I-V, will be putting more content out there, more affirmations out there through wave, which is a new platform that I'm like contributing to. So I can check me out on there too.
0: Dope, dope, dope. Well, guys, I mean, you've heard it from the man himself. I hope you guys have taken something away from this podcast. If you didn't child, listen to it again. Cause clearly your ear's Because. I know I got my life together, but make sure, as I said earlier, that you are subscribed to the Blind Misfit Podcast. Share this episode with someone who you know it will touch. And once again, y'all, y'all, y'all stay blessed, stay black, stay prayed up. If you're not black, it's okay. Like as long as you're not problematic, you can still hang out with us. Cool. And we will see you all next week.